worship together and to praise his holy, wonderful name. I'm so happy to see everyone that's here today, everyone that's joining us out there in internet world. We just hope that you join in with us and just lift his name up. He's so wonderful and he's worthy of all the praise. If everyone could please just stand on your feet and pray with us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father God, we come to you this morning and we say thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. Although there's some rain and a little chill, oh God, Lord, we thank you that you've given us an opportunity to rise up and to raise up this morning with movement in our limbs and breath in our lungs, oh Lord. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you for this opportunity to worship, oh Lord, together, oh God, in your house, oh Lord, and to bless your holy, wonderful name. Lord, we love you. We adore you. We honor you. Lord, we thank you, oh God. You are wonderful and you're worthy of all the praise. It is in your wonderful name, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you know this, we're just asking that you please sing along with us this morning. Yeah. 
And he's so wonderful and he's worthy of our praise. And right now we just invite all of you just to allow God to just touch your heart. There's so many people that are broken. There are so many people that are going through hurt and pain right now. But Jesus is calling and he's calling to each one of you. And he's calling to me and I just thank him so much for his love and his mercy and his grace. It's been a very rough year, but God, he still deserves all of our praise and all of our glory and all of our honor. I heard him broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, oh come to the altar, the to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and pray them for joy. From the ashes a new life was born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are
altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness is brought with the precious blood of jesus christ oh come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of jesus christ oh come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought cross while you wait for your crown tell the world of this treasure you found Jesus is calling Jesus is calling Good morning. Thank you, my sisters, for leading us in wonderful worship. And it's one of the things between with uh, Melanie and the team has been leading us even through this pandemic, whether it was or in person. We've been able to worship together, um, whether uh, we had to be separate in homes or today as we continue to be able to allow God to bless us, to see faces, to hear others singing, to look at others' expressions. We're just really grateful for um, the opportunity to continue to worship. You know, I am reminded that during um, what was called the Spanish flu, the people who were out and the people who were out helping the most, who were out putting themselves actually at risk as they were helping to um, helping to 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 deal with hurting people and the sick people during that pandemic were the Christians. When you read some of the accounts, they were the ones, of course, because they didn't have the advancement like today in medical science. They were the ones who were coming close because they realized that even if they did die from this pandemic, eternal life was theirs. Now, I'm not asking you to go out and do that. That's not what I'm saying, saying it for, but it was this surety of, of, of heart, and it was this confidence in eternity 
that caused them to do something in the present day. And for us today, as we continue through this study, we realize that because we are gospel-shaped people, because we have indeed been changed by our response to the gospel, we can, and because of that, eternal life is secure and is set, because of that, we now can operate in present day without fear. We can operate in this current environment without fear, although we take all the precautions in the world, but we move about knowing that God has us regardless of what happens. And so today we get a chance to worship in person and we get a chance to be able to allow God to continue to minister to us. Today we will be looking at this whole issue of generosity. And in your, in your books, for those who are trekking with us through um, our community group study, um, what will be coming up this week for them uh, is um, lesson number five, which is on generosity. And it actually says generosity, stewarding God's money. And I put there correctly, stewarding God's money correctly, but I'm going to tag Today for our text, generosity, our gospel response. See, when your heart has been changed by the gospel, when you realize the generosity of Jesus, when you realize what the Father and who the Father gave, when you realize what has actually been done, has been lavished on you, has been given to you, when you realize it in its truth, and in its fullness, your response as a believer will be this whole sense of generosity in every area of your life. In this particular case, in in this um, lesson today, we're going to be looking at the issue of money, but what it creates in you, what the gospel does, is it creates a spirit of generosity and that you are willing to give. You are willing to give time. You are willing to give talent, and you are willing to give treasure. And I know for many, this whole issue of money, some would just rather not talk about. Some would rather say, you know what, leave that for another time. Here you go talking about money. Y'all know the church has got baggage with money. And, And so for you to sit here and talk about money, knowing all the stuff that's gone on in churches through all the ages, y'all should be just a little suspect. No, Jesus thought enough of it and how it deals with us or how we deal with it, I should say, that he spoke about it quite often because he knew finances, money, that thing which exchanges for others, that thing which creates status in the lives of people, that thing which distracts people, is that money, if you don't get a handle on it, it will have a hold on you. What we're going to be able to look at in generosity, our gospel response, we're going to look at that tend to trip us up, that tend to grab us, that tend to keep us, and then 
we're going to look at one of the ways in which God wants us to realize that generosity is not a resource issue, but it's a heart issue. And so let's pray. And then we're going to jump into the scripture. We're going to be in different scriptures, uh, mainly though in James. And then um, we're going to look at Corinthians as well. So let's pray. Father, thank you once again for your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that we are here today knowing that you, O oh God, <clears throat> knowing that you have given to us generously. Father, we could never outgive you. And this is not about money. We could never outgive you because the eternal life that we possess, we could never give back something in return of equal value. Father, we thank you that you've given what one else could give. And Father, that is for us to be freed and forgiven of our sins and then for us to be set for eternity with you. You have brought us back together with you and then you put us in a community with other like-minded believers and you set us on a course to tell others about this life-changing message. I pray today that out of that realization of generosity on your part, that it would cause some generosity on ours according to your will and desire. Open our mind, our heart, <clears throat> open our understanding so that we may see and hear what you are showing and saying and that we may do what you are requiring. We ask you this in Christ's name, amen. Your piece is acting up, so we're going to go with old school. It's going to have to remember to do this sometimes, so y'all just bear with me. So this morning, if you would, <clears throat> turn with me to the book of James, chapter 2. And our focus for the day is that the gospel sets us free to give generously as we were given to generously. And the gospel sets us free because uh, we are to give with a proper purpose and an appropriate priority in our lives. And what I want us to see is that the gospel liberates us from self-centered pers um, perspectives and practices when it comes to money. The gospel frees us from self-centered perspective and practices when it comes to this issue of money. The first thing that it does is that the gospel corrects us in that the gospel, number one, helps us um, from having um, an incorrect usage of money as an indicator for the value of people. It frees us from this incorrect Usage of money, using it as an indicator for the value of people. Scripture calls it partiality. Today we would say favoritism. Turn with me to James chapter 2. <clears throat> I'm just going to read it through. 
verses 1 to 10, and then we're going to look at what the Scripture is saying about that. Verse 1, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over here or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Now, in this particular case, the way this is actually written, and when you look at the context of James, James was writing, there was probably here, um, and is strongly believed, a good instance of where they were treating people differently among them based on their resources, what they had. It sounds familiar. It's what we do today. Is that whenever you come into a place, people will look at you differently based on how they size you up if they think you have money or not. And see, I can understand that some outside in the world. I mean, that's just what happens. That's 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 the way of the world. I hear the earth, wind and fire song. That's the way of the world. I mean, that's that's how they do it. But it sounds strange when it's among people that have been given to generously and that have not been judged based on external resources or even really internal resources that have that that God did not show that level of partiality. When God saved you, he didn't say, I'm saving you because I looked at your bank account. And you are worth saving, baby. He said, I looked at how you manage your money, and you are worth saving. I looked at that home that you live in. Man, you are worth saving. Some of y'all in here today, if it was based on what, how we looked at what we had, y'all would have been first in line. But God didn't do that. He didn't base it on what you had amassed up until that point. He didn't base it on what you had done. He didn't, he didn't base it on how you looked. He didn't even base it on how you dressed. Yeah, I like that shirt. I like that sweater. I like that dress. I like them pants you got on. You're, he didn't do that. He didn't place a value on you because of externals. And what do I mean by externals? All those things that we can see. I see the car you drive. Some folks will, will, will look at you with this down nose until they see 
what you drive and where you live. And then all of a sudden, you become wise. They want to hear what you have to say. And the issue becomes you could be the most vile person on the planet and have the most money. And folk will still look at you as if you have more worth and value than anyone else. See, the issue here is that in James, that there were people that were sizing folk up by that which is temporary. And what James was telling them is that, and I love how he puts it in the beginning, he says, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, those two don't go together. You can't even do both those things at the same time well. And so when you and I meet someone in the faith and we come inside church and we start going, hmm, she wore that last week. You're like, "Mm mm-hmm. You need to get that old raggedy car fixed. Talking about Jesus paid it all. (laughs) See, the issue becomes where we fail and where we fall is that we don't see people in the light and in the way that God sees them. Let me just help us out. And I know we know this, but it bears repeating. Your position in life your money, your home, your car, your education, none of those things tilt the scale towards favor with God any more than it did when you were out there in sin and he reached out to save you. No more. And so for us as gospel people, people that were born of the gospel, God says, as you hold to the faith, this can't be you. He said, get rid of these indicators, get rid of these distinguishing things that causes you to set yourself up. And listen to what he says, as a judge. In other words, you have, and that word judge means you have drawn a conclusion on a person based on what they have or don't have, based on how they look or don't look. The example here is a man comes in fine clothes. Do you notice what they did not say about these two people? They said nothing about their character. They said nothing about who they were. They said nothing about their response to God. All these people did is he walked in the door and they said, "Woo, whoa, look at that Gucci bag. Put her up front. I want her to be seen on the live stream in the camera as we film that we got these kind of folk here. That's modern day, what you would do. You judge differently. You talk differently. You spend more time. See, that's the way the world does because that's how it's shaped and that's how it's worked out. And so it frees us from that. And he says, look, understand what you've actually done. And see, this is what I love about God. He's, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, 
He doesn't deal with things the way we in the world tend to outside of Christ. What do I mean by that? What do I mean? He goes right to the heart of the matter. He, 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 he said, you didn't just come up and diss the person because they wore an old pair of Jordans. He said, you have insulted that poor man. Understand what we do when we show partiality that he said, you insult the poor. Now, understand, we've been learning about this, this whole issue of justice and mercy and God's heart for the poor. We've been learning that those things will get you on the wrong side of God. It shows where your heart really is. It shows where your allegiances really are. And so he says here, you've insulted the poor man and then goes, how can you say that you are abiding by one of those concrete pillars of loving your neighbor as yourself. And I love, he says, look, you are, you haven't just judged based on what you saw. You are going against a pillar of the faith. I don't even see it like that. Last time under your breath, you said something about that saint that came in with you. And I said, you didn't realize. You didn't realize what you were doing. And in front of the Lord, in front of the father, you are insulting one of his sons or daughters. Let me ask you, if you were out and about in public and someone insulted one of your children to your face, in your presence, what would you do? Now let me ask you, how do you think God responds? And so the issue for you and I today is, let the gospel free us from this incorrect perspective of using money, using finances, using re material resources as an indicator of a person's value. He says, let it free you from that. <clears throat> let me just throw this in free of charge. Here's where we tend to run into issues with partiality or favoritism. I made them into ease, so they're easy for us to remember. We usually show partiality or favoritism um, with ethnicity. That's where people are from, um, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. We tend to show favoritism based on ethnicity, economics, and education. Where'd you go to school? How much education you have? Did you go to college? Now, once again, those things are not wrong at all, and they will most likely help to better a position in life. But God never intended those things to be an indicator of value or worth in his kingdom. Because understand, and, and remember, we are all worthless outside of Christ. You brought, and I said this in our first, you brought nothing to the table when God decided to save you. He didn't say, oh, no, nah, he would be a, he would be great for the king. Get him, get him. He didn't say that. And so for us, where we trip up, where we may fall is in this issue of partiality with ethnicity. Remember that. 
with economics and with education. And we watch ourselves with that, that we make sure that we are holding, even as we press people to get more education and the better their economic situation, and we want that. Can't do anything about your ethnicity. You had nothing to say about that. When you were born into the world, that's what you were born as. That's where you were born. That's what the Lord had. You can't do anything about that. If you try, it's, it's just going to mess up your life. But those other two, as you better yourself, as you better yourself, understand that you don't become better than others. Next thing that it helps us to avoid is this erroneously living with this primary value on self-indulgence and luxury. It, it helps us to avoid this trap of erroneously living with the primary value on self-indulgence and luxury. Turn with me to James chapter 5. Same, same group of people. James is getting in, and he leans in on them here. James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, it says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Uh, uh, that's, not think of, that's not what I think of when I think of the rich. That just seems very oxymoron-ish. That I would say, okay, rich, Come now, you rich, and I would say, and enjoy your privilege. Come now, rich, and enjoy all of what your money can afford you. Come now, rich, and use your resources to do whatever you want. Come on, rich folk. See, but when God sees it, his money, your money, your position doesn't impress him at all. And so he goes, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Why? Because they held them in high esteem and high regard. It became a banner in their life. It was a pillar for them. That's part of the reason why the rich young ruler walked away sad. Jesus said because he had great money. Scripture says he, he had he had lots of money, and he wasn't about to part with it. Now, is money evil? No. People incorrectly, well, you know, money is the root of all evil. Mm, go back and read that verse. It says the love of money, and it is a heart issue. It is never a resource issue. I don't have enough. I don't, it is never a resource issue. When you have problems with money and self-worth and, and this whole self-indulgent attitude, it is never about, well, he became that way because he got so much money. Mm, he's always been that way. Money just brought it to the surface. It didn't change his heart. It revealed his heart. This pandemic didn't change people. It revealed people. It showed who we were really when all of the distractions were removed and all the things that could um, shade who we really are. It, it, it demonstrated who we really are. 
a lot of the division in our country didn't just start. It's being revealed. And so we look here and he says, what you hold as high value really is only of temporary value. Your gold and your silver have eroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. This is interesting. You have laid up treasure. Do you know what that is saying? You have laid up treasure in the last days. You have put up for the future something that ain't going to be used because the days are about to end. You have a wrong perspective on time. Here's what you thought. You thought that because you have you are well resourced and well connected, you have lots of time to spend it. That's what usually happens with folks. As a matter of fact, put your finger in James and turn to Luke chapter 12. Turn to Luke chapter 12. And starting at verse 16. And this was after someone in the crowd in verse 13 to 16. You get a chance to ask Jesus a question. You get a chance to say something to Jesus in person. And you ask him to tell your brother to give you more money. No, no. Understand that position. You are there and present with Christ. You've seen him work. You've you've heard the wisdom of his words. You have a chance to ask him and and you in the crowd, you with the people listening to Jesus. And what you got to say? Hey, Jesus, can you tell my brother to give me some of that money? Whoa, does that show your heart or what? But you know what? Let's not throw him under the bus. Boy, let's go back and check some of our prayers. We are in the presence of the Lord. We get a chance to talk to him on the regular basis, knowing that he hears us. And what are we asking him? Lord, if you just give me just a little bit more, I'll be okay today. Father, if you just give me that car that I saw. Oh, Lord, if I can just have that one. Man, now I'm not saying that you don't ask the Lord for those material things, but where and how, I mean, how does it occupy your mind and your thoughts? For some of us, boy, it is that, it is that tagline in the song. Got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. And he comes and he says, he says, look, Jesus says to him, who made me a judge over your family affairs, dude? Really? That's all you that's all you see me as? And look at what he says to him. He says, and then he tells them a parable. As a matter of fact, let's back up to verse 15. He says, and he said, first he said to the man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Since when am I now family court judge to argue over your family spats? But then he says to them, he turns to the rest of the crowd and he warns them. He says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. 
for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them a parable. And I want you to hear something that stands out. I'm going to highlight it as I read it. The land of a rich man produced plentiful. In other words, he was doing well. His land, what he had attained, bought, or inherited didn't matter. His land was doing extremely well. Let's just call it today that his business was doing well. He was running things tight. It was doing extremely well. And he thought to himself, he didn't even say it out loud, what shall I do for I, know, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, still talking to himself, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And then I will say to my soul, so you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, see, he was talking to himself, void of the Lord. He was in there having a great conversation with how good he was, about how strong he was, about how rich he was. And he assumed about how much time he had. But we get the phrase, but God. I know sometimes we like to use it when God comes to our rescue. This is one of those opposite times. This is not the but God you want. He comes in and says, but God said to him, man, man, this is scary. He said, fool. Now, some of your versions say you fool. No, the word, it just says fool. You was assumed because he, he's talking to him. Fool. Now, here this dude was, I'm sure that's not the word people in town used for him. I'm sure that's not the term that people who saw his business and his life used about him. I'm sure that, that, that all those fool was not the word. They were like, dude, businessman of the year. Put him on Time magazine. As a matter of fact, get him to talk and to speak for y'all. Man, you want to hear what he has to say, fool. Most people are going wise. Great entrepreneurial example model God says fool Whoa. why because what he assumed first of all was that he was the center of his world look at what he says he says fool your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? In other words, because they won't be yours. You're done. The one thing that you failed to take into account is that you don't control the length of your days or your life itself. And so for you to place with ultimate priority that which is temporary is foolish. When you exchange the temporary, I mean the eternal, for the temporary, you're a fool. I didn't say it, God did. Did you notice the number of times he referred to himself? All the eyes that were in there, go down and count them from when he started talking. And look at the number of times all of his life depended on him. And he made one fatal mistake. 
(laughs) that his life was not up to him. It was up to God. And so here it was, this trap of being generous is to when you erroneously think that life is primarily about self-indulgence and luxury. That's the American way, baby. That's the American way. They tell you, get it while you can. Invest it while you can so you can live out the end of your days with luxury. That's it. Did you notice there was no helping anyone here? There was no coming to anyone's assistance. His whole deal is he was making so much money. He said, what do I do with it? Man, I got so much. Oh, I know. I'm going to build a bigger place to hold it in. Okay, what do I do now? This house that I got right now fits me just fine. Got everything I need in it. Got all the space I need. I can even grow in this house. But man, I got so much money. What do I do? I think I'm just going to go buy a bigger one. I don't need it, but let me go buy a bigger one because it's going to make me look good. As a matter of fact, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. That car? Ooh, let me go buy another one. As a matter of fact, I'll go buy two or three. See, what ends up happening, these things are not evil in and of themselves. You having a nice car, you having a fancy house, these things are not evil. But it is this danger and this trap that steals away from generosity. It is this attitude of self-indulgence where I control my life and my time. You notice he wasn't given to anyone. No one but him was the beneficiary of his wealth. And what ends up happening, God calls him. Look, there's a margin call. For those of you guys that are in business, there's a call on your loan. See, he didn't realize he owed someone. He owed God his life. And God called it. See, that's like right now, for some of you that are paying on your mortgages, If the company were to come today and say, I want all my money back now, I'd be in trouble. Because I was like, hey, uh, partner, I can't give you all that right now. Can you give me some time? No, you're out of time. I want it all now. And so for us, what we realize, what we don't realize, actually, is that when it comes to life, God can call on that loan called living that we have, and he goes, I want my life back. What life? The one you breathing through, bro. I want my life back. What? Today? Come on, man. How you gonna come? Give me my life back. Now what happens? He says, who is going to have what you have because you ain't gonna have it. But what he does is he's setting the perspective for us. That is to be how we hold and manage what has been given to us. He says to us now, the perspective is one that God, thank you for it. I get to use it. I get to manage it. I get to share it. I get to have it. But I don't get to keep it forever. And he says to you and I, that's why we are to be generous people. Why? Because God has given us everything. 
and he continues to give us everything. And we should not have a, 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 a problem sharing it. Well, hold on a second. God, do I got to share this now? What if I don't get any more? He was like, okay, what if you don't? Who's your God? Who's holding you? Who's got you? But more likely than not, God's got more where that came from. Some of us act like God gave us his last when he gave it to us. You ain't got no more. Yes, I said, I'm sorry, you ain't got, I, I did. God was done. That was it. He ran out. And see, the deal becomes when you and I do that, what we are showing that we really don't trust the Father. And so generosity takes a hit. Generosity takes a hit. And so we translate money into time. So let's go back to James with that in mind, because that's exactly what he says to them. He says, as he's dealing with them, number one, the one in James, they have dealt poorly with the people around him. He says, behold, the wages of laborers who moved your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. You thought God didn't hear that. I was like, God always hears. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Now, just in case you're wondering who he is talking to, when you start out James, he's talking to believers. You would have thought he's talking to sinners. He's talking to believers who have who have accepted and adopted an erroneous self-indulgent attitude because of how they have been blessed by God. And God says be careful. Let me tell you your generosity is more a heart sign or your lack of it is more a heart sign than you realize. And so he tells us to avoid the trap of incorrectly using money as an indicator for the value of people, of, er of erroneously living with a primary value on self-indulgence and luxury. But what he intends for us to do, and this has got to be a first that I've used three scriptures that I can spend one Sunday on each of them within a sermon. I wanted us to see, and for you to go back in your studies, you go through each of these, but I want you to spend some time in them. Because this is what this is where God wants our hearts either to be or not. And how we are to live. But the last part is realizing that generosity is a heart issue, not a resource issue. Turn with me to Second Corinthians. And we're only going to read just those first few verses in chapter eight. And we're going to close out the day. First Corinthians. I'm sorry. Second Corinthians. Chapter 8. And you have to understand the position of these saints and what they were able to do. Verse 1. Actually, I'm, I'm going to read through verse 5. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Paul is writing, of course, to the Corinthians. For in a severe test of affliction, 
their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Understand this, realizing that generosity is a heart issue. It is not a resource issue. These Macedonian believers had every reason not to give. They said that they were experiencing an extreme test of affliction, of pain, of that which was causing them distress. And it was resulting in extreme poverty, uh, an extreme lack of resources. That's how it was going. But one of the things that happened in the middle of that is that there was this abundance of joy. Those things don't seem to go together. I'm under extreme affliction, resulting in extreme poverty, big lack, but it's producing great joy. How? Well, it can't be because of my resources. It can't be because of my environment. What's the difference? What's the X factor? The X factor is my heart has changed. God is changed me because the gospel has 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 given me a new heart that there's nothing on this planet that is going to cause me to walk away from him. And so now he says. As a result, they gave. They gave according to their means and their means must have been pretty small because they were experiencing extreme poverty. And Paul must have pushed back and said, look, y'all, mm, you ever had that person that wants to give you their last dime that wants to give you? No, no, hear me tell you. And you're like, no, nah, look, no, nah, nah, man. How many of us have seen these social experiments to where they gave money while they're filming? They gave money to someone on the street, someone homeless. And then that person goes amongst the other homeless and shares it. Say, hold on, you ain't got nothing. You don't have two pennies to rub together, but you take one of them and give. He says, yeah, because out here, man, we all got needs. We haven't even got to the Christian yet. And so here he's saying they were begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Let's explain what was happening because of the persecution on Christians was now ramping up and was coming so severe. What it was affecting was the livelihood of believers. Many of the believers were put out of the synagogues. They were which was the center of community life. They were put out of their homes. They were they they lost their jobs. They were thrown out of the community. And so they were homeless, but they were not stepping out on Christ. And so what the church did was raise money so that they could help the believers who were physically suffering because of their faith. Now, I'm not talking about those that were just looking for, well, you know, today I'm suffering a little. You got a dime you can spend. No, 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 no. These were people that were actually suffering because they were standing up for the faith. And the church came around and supported them. The church didn't say, well, you, would, you should have closed your mouth. You ain't had to do all that with Jesus. You still would have your job if you've been quiet. 
See, they supported the saints who were going through extreme affliction and were begging them, which meant Paul was like, no, y'all keep the money. You keep the resources. Y'all need it probably more than they do. And they were like, please, let us take part in this. Come on, Paul. You're like, take our $5. What? See, when you realize that it's not about what you have, but it's about the heart that you possess, you will look for ways to give even beyond your means, knowing that it is going towards something that is biblical and something that is helping another believer to maybe manage another day in the faith. Generosity is a heart issue. It is not a resource issue. When you don't give, it's not because you don't have. Hmm. Is because where that heart is at that moment. It doesn't mean you give everything. It doesn't even mean that you give to where you can't pay bills. But the issue is you look for ways to give. You look for ways to come to the aid of believers. You look for ways to demonstrate that God has given to you generously by you giving back generously. And I don't mean giving back as today. That just means because I got, I give. No, sometimes you won't even receive anything from anyone. And God still desires you to give. See, the issue becomes your generosity comes out of the fact that your heart has been set free. And when your heart has been set free, you freely give. And sometimes you give even when it hurts. See, we think we're supposed to give and it's supposed to be comfortable all the time. No, sometimes God is calling for you to give and it's going to hurt. It's going to cause some sacrifice. It's going to cause some pain. And God knows it, and he's got you covered. Now, some go the other end. I'm going to give today because God's going to give me double. God is not your investment vehicle. God is not. Hey, so if I just give this, guys, you ain't giving because your heart is generous. You think God's going to double your investment. And that's not what he's talking about. And so today, understand that there are traps to generosity. There are traps that will lead us to a self-indulgent life and a life that will cause us to size people up based on externals. But if you've really been changed by the gospel, and it doesn't have to be all up here on day one, it can be in increasing short measure. God is calling out to your heart for you to be generous in a number of ways. And he goes, I want your generosity to be the result of the fact that you realize that you can never outgive me with what I gave to you and what I still give to you every day. Understand the Macedonian believers out of their great affliction, extreme poverty, joy came. And out of that joy, they begged to give. What is God calling you to do? What are you begging to do? What do you plead with the Lord to do? Are you wanting to give 
to the point where folk are like, nah, man, look, you, you, you might need just to hold that for yourself, partner. No, man, God's got me. He's been good. I'm going to give like this because I know this is where the Lord wants me. And Paul said, boy, we didn't expect that. But it was so great, he had to write about it. And he wrote to the Corinthians about it. Who are having a problem with it. So today for you and I, how is God calling you to be generous? How is God calling you to give First of all, according to your means. Um, before I forget almost, one of the things that I wanted us to see with this, one of the things that I want us to see, this was not what brought them close to God. It was an indicator that God had their heart. Why? Because at the end of that, it said that they first gave themselves to God. Then they gave themselves to us. See, they weren't trying to prove that they were these super Christians by giving of themselves. There was no proving here. Why? Because first they humbled themselves before God. They gave themselves to God first. God, I'm yours. What do you want? Here I am. What you got, God? Then they gave themselves to us. Why? Because when they came to Paul, they came with a clean life and a pure heart. Understand that. They came with a clean life. Why? Because they gave themselves to God and a pure heart. He begins to cleanse you of all those improper perspectives. So when you give of yourself, you don't have these side motives. But it is one that comes out of purity. And it's one that comes in genuineness. What is God calling you? to give towards? How is he calling you to be generous? Or is God showing you that your prayer does not need to be like last week? I said, God, make me more merciful. Uh-uh. Make me more generous, God. Uh-uh. That's not the prayer. The prayer is God changed my heart. God changed my heart. Why don't I want to give? Why don't I want to be generous, Lord? Because that's not you. Why do I want a self-indulgent life? Why all am I concerned about? Why, why is it that I'm only concerned about my luxury? Change my heart, God. My heart's in the wrong place. And I know I can't make my heart good and new and pure. Only you can. So today, God is saying to some of y'all, call upon me to change your heart. For some of you, you just don't know how and where. You're looking for opportunities. And, and you know what? Your prayer is, God, show me opportunities to give as I'm giving myself to you. And for some of us, just keep doing what you're doing because God's got your heart. You're giving strong. You know you're giving well. You're giving according to your means. And then you're even giving above. Where do you find yourself this morning? What is God calling you to do? Answer the call. Generosity, our gospel response. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that indeed you gave God without measure when you gave Christ. Father, we were dirty, filthy, raggedy. And Father, you gave Christ. We became believers, those of us that have trusted you, forgiven of our sins, 
in relationship with you and set toward eternity. And thus we should be generous with all that we have. But Father, I just pray today that for those of us that are struggling in this area, that you show us our hearts and that you change our hearts. And that as you do, Father, may we represent you in this world well. May we give not with strings attached, but with our hearts wide open. I ask this in Christ's name, amen. This morning, as we, um, as we get ready to close, I do want to have this time, always ask. You're sitting here this morning, and you are, you're not sure where your heart is. You're not sure, and you may be watching us by live stream. You're not sure where your heart is. You're still trying to figure that one out. God, I don't know. Maybe you've never trusted Christ at all. But today that can change. God can give you that new heart that's not only generous, but that's loving, that's just, that's merciful, and that's filled with peace. Those are the things that we've learned thus far. Why? Because Jesus comes in and makes a change. And if you've never trusted Christ, today you can do that. You can be like wherever you are and you can pray for the Lord. One, one that you realize he is God's only provision, Jesus Christ for our sins. Two, that Jesus died and was raised from the dead for my sin and for my freedom. And by me embracing that, I can start a new relationship with God and can come into the family of God and begin to grow. If you've never done that, you can do that today in just a simple prayer. And once you've done that, can I ask you, if you are watching us by live stream, there's some information on there. Can you just write us or give us a call and let us know of your decision? I would also encourage you that there are probably some other people that have been praying for you to do this. Can you let one of them know? If you are here today and that's you, talk to one of us after service, please, outside. We'd love to talk with you. And so the issue just becomes our response to being changed by the gospel is that we are generous people. And so I pray today that you allow the Lord to shape your heart and that that gospel that brought you into being is that same gospel that leads you on in life. Father, indeed, let us be gospel-shaped believers. In Christ's name, amen. Before we get ready to leave, just a couple of announcements that I want us to have. Um, just understand the, the, the sign-up genius did go out for the trunk or treat. We are going to still have it. We are, it'll be totally outside. There will be no part of it inside that, um, that even in the spacing of our cars to set up in the parking lot, there will be distance. Everyone will be required to have a mask. We have changed the time. We normally have it in the evening. We're having it from 2 to 4 on the 31st, which is a Saturday. And so we're having it in the middle and actually at the warmest part of that day is right around that 3 o'clock hour. And so we want to still have that. We are going to have some food. We're going to make the hot dogs and wrap them up and have them for people to take with some water and some chips. Um, they'll have the candy at the cars. However, I mean, we... That, um, uh, 
that we have. And just to give the community a chance to be able to get out, come through. There'll be no games that'll be out here for, for uh, folks to play and to gather. But to give the kids and those that want to come just a chance to showcase their costumes and their outfits, to enjoy some candy and some food, and to head on home. Two hours, that's all we're going to do it for. And so we ask the Sign Up Genius has gone out. Um, if you did not get it, can you please just call the office or email us um, and so um, that we can get you what we need. But please, if you can and are going to be here, sign up, please just do that. It doesn't have to be a big ordeal at all. Um, so, But we still felt after we thought it through that we still want to be able to minister to the community this way. Um, and so we can without having anything inside um, and to be outside. Also, just to remember, I know um, for those in Pike in areas that next Saturday is flu shot time, isn't it? And that, um, and that if you've not signed up or if you know of someone in this area that should be signing up, folk, I'm telling you right now, it is almost impossible to distinguish between, I'm not saying it isn't, but between the flu and COVID. And you want to take one of those off the table, at least the lesson one of those. And so if you um, are able to get one, please sign up to get one um, or to let someone know in this Pike area that you know to come and get their flu shot. Um, I think those are the two things that we that we have right now. Uh, I don't think there are any other ones. Um, you guys know for giving, you can give before you come in. We got the box that's in the wall. Um, out there in the foyer, but we also, I know, have uh, the baskets that will be sitting at uh, either door that you can um, put it in. You guys that have been mailing it in, you still can do that. Um, those options are still available. Please keep praying for us um, that we continue to navigate these waters um, as we get into the colder months and as things begin to change, our numbers are on the rise. Folks, let's do what we can. Christians should be the ones doing all they can to save and to help the lives of other people. We should be the ones leading the charge because God has given us of his love. We love because he first loved us. And because of that, that should be our way in the world. Amen. I'm going to turn you over to our ushers. Um, have a great rest of the week. I'll talk to some of you guys outside. I think it actually stopped raining, although it's a little cool. Um, it probably mean that the talk time might be shorter, but at least let me get to say hi to a few of you before y'all just rush on off. Have a great week. Enjoy and God bless you. listening to a broadcast of Solid Word Bible Church located at 4374 West 52nd Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. And if you made the decision to give your life to Christ, would you please share it with us so we can rejoice with you and also pray for you. Again, thank you for joining us and may God continue to keep you until next time.